The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And welcome to the Pride of Detroit. PODcast, Pride to Detroit.com, Pride to Detroit on Twitter, Pride to Detroit on Facebook. Folks, you know where to find us. You know we're always we've always been here for you. For six years now. Running on fumes, caffeine, Lions football, Lions football accessories. We are now live on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. You've been knowing that for a couple years now. As this project continues to steamroll. I wish I could say I'm halfway through the preseason. We are actually two thirds of the way through the preseason. And we're going to talk about preseason game number two of three today. Yes, we have plenty to talk about. But first, introducing the crew real quick before we get into it. I am Chris Perfett, the adequate host at Chris Perfett on Twitter. P-E-R-F-E-T-T. Joining me, as always, fearless leader of Pride of Detroit, the E-I-C. Jeremy Reisman at Detroit on Lion. Chris, you're you're giving a very like NPR type vibe right now. You just just very soft, gentle voice. Is that is that because we're we're coming in with some hot takes later that you're trying to ease I'm your way in? I'm saving my energy. Yeah, I'm conserving it. I'm I'm like I'm I'm like uh, I, I've got I've got all this cheese stored up in me, and I have to you know expel it at the right moment. We notice how NPR is never going to have a, a sports show. Don't kid yourself. <laughs> It's like the one thing NPR will never, ever have. If they do, it'll be about like lawn darts. I also thought you might be talking soft just to make sure that we're not too loud for Ryan, who's coming off a a weekend. Ryan's coming off a weekend. I'm coming off a weekend, which might be contributing to myself too. Ryan Matthews. At Ryan underscore POD. Podcast is not a visual medium. Ryan is wearing sunglasses in the dark and drinking water. Yeah, and uh, the Tylenol was uh, the the Tylenol consumption was off screen. So speaking of not saying things. Bachelor party, a hell of a drug. He can't talk right the energy today, I guess, huh? No, I've got the energy, too. I've got the energy, too. Just give me a minute. Just give me a minute. I'll lather myself up just like I lathered myself up writing the takeaways article. And suddenly writing about, you know, Irish curse goddesses. Um, this game kind of sucked. 
I'm not going to lie. We're, we're going to talk about it, but like as a fan, this game sucked. Pittsburgh 26, Detroit 20, which so I was watching on NFL Game Pass because I live out of market. And once again, Game Pass decides on NFL Network to cut away this time, Jeremy, with like f- almost five minutes re- remaining. So clearly I missed like the flurry of scoring at the end of this game from our Lord and Savior, David Blow, Blau, who I need to learn how to say his name right, because I think he's going to be QB2 at this point. But for the most of this game, this was a Lions defense who got absolutely shredded in every facet, in, especially in, 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 the, in the passing game. And I think there's some, there's some warning bells to be had. It is preseason. But there's there's a lot to take away from this game. I think I think you're either of the mind. This is the game that is going to split people down the middle. Are you of the mind that it's preseason? None of this matters. Or is it time to pull the panic? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's preseason for you, right? Like it's either yeah. it's either you get it, like something good happens and you way overreact in that direction or something bad happens and you way overreact in that fashion. And then there's the third contingent who's just like, Let's just make sure no one gets hurt. Remember, like, I love the Lions fan that has to remind us every year that the 2008 Lions went 4-0 in the preseason. Yeah. Like, we don't, like, we don't remember that. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's some good. There's, there's a significant amount of bad to take from this game. Um, it's weird because the, if you go back and watch the game, you might forget that it actually started out kind of good. The Lions got a three and out after breaking a, pa- a pass to Eric Ebron. And then the old offense friend. started moving. Old friend of the show. Old, old, old friend. <laughs> um, then they pick up a couple first downs on offense. And then after that, everything fell apart. And it mm. wasn't just the defense getting torched. It was Tim Boyle looking like absolute garbage and the offense not moving. And then, yeah, you're right. Like at the end of the game, David Blau took over, scored, a, scored three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. The offense did uh, under him and made it a, a close looking game. But yeah, it's some of that early game stuff that is concerning, and and there are mitigating factors here, like um, a, a topic we'll get into in a second. But I'll, I'll let Ryan have the floor next of of his first thoughts uh, on the game. Yeah, I, I think that there's that delicate balance uh, that you're talking about, Jeremy. Is like it's it's either overreactions, underreactions, or let's just get out of the preseason healthy. And I think for the Detroit Lions that we haven't seen entire units on the field for uh, a like extended period of time. Right. Like no Frank rag. Now this week, no Taylor Decker, they get the week off. Sounds like they're probably going to get the week off next week too. So that's like, that's taking two of your most integral pieces of your offensive line, probably the two most dependable pieces and replacing them with other players. And then you look at the defense too, like no Alex Anzalone, no Jamie Collins. Like you're talking about like guys that are projected to be starters and, and, we only saw 11 snaps from him in preseason week one. So I think that this coaching staff, I think that they know, they know what the top of their depth chart looks like. They want to try to find if they want to try to see and find if they can get any gems or, you know, if they can uncover or potentially, you know, tap into some of this talent that's at the, the bottom of the roster and see what they have there in that and get an extended look at, at those players in hopes that they might find a player or two. And if it is just a player or two, that's great because that's going to translate to this rebuild um, in a big way. 
I, I mostly agree with that. I think we're going to talk about AJ Parker here, who had a phenomenal game at some point when we talk about the defense. And, you know, we got our first look at Leve and Zurique, who, as advertised, but I think my with a concern where I come from, and I think this is where a lot of fans who might be grumbling today or, or quote unquote overreacting today come is that, yes, there are starters who are sitting, but we're kind of in this like 1.5 string where there's still enough people who were starters or at least in the rotation from last year that are out there playing against the ones from Pittsburgh and they don't look like they've improved that much. I in in particular, and again, I I feel like I'm taking all my notes away from my defense segment, but Jeff Okuda was slow out there. He was getting beat and he was not getting much help from Will Harris either. So there there's some there's some guys who are projected to be starters or at least rotational that just really did not show up against the Sealers. Yeah, I I mean for a couple of weeks now, we've been chopping at the bit to see what this secondary looks like against another opponent that isn't the Lions wide receivers. And you're right, Chris, like the secondary, that was all starters, 100 mm-hmm. percent all starters out yeah. there. And and sure, there are other factors like the linebacking core, which we'll get to, was was really, really bad. And the front four wasn't necessarily creating the kind of pressure that the, the starters would. They didn't have the starters in at the front four. No Trey Flowers, no Romeo Aquara, no Michael Brockers, um, <clears throat> no Deshaun Hand if he ever gets healthy. So, you know, they're, like they always say, there's a balance between coverage and, and pass rush, and the Lions didn't have their best pass rush out there, so they weren't helping the back end. But I think we all expected or at least hoped for a better performance from that back end on the defense and certainly didn't get it. It was, it was very disheartening when that deep pass happened. I'm just like, just don't be 23. Whoever that is, don't be 23. And then, oh, of course, he comes up off the ground, big 23, 23 on his roster. Like, big ah. 23. They they bit real bad. I, again, I'm emptying out my my defense playbook. Bad job by me, but like they bit so hard on that Ben Roethlisberger pump fake too. That was just painful. But, but can I? Can did, I ask, that, that, no, no one in the league can pump fake. Like no, no, ben no he's the best. Let, pump let's fake. also be clear. That, is, like, that was a trial by fire for some of these guys. That yeah, was sorry. that was 2015 Ben Roethlisberger. I don't know yeah. where that came from because Ben Roethlisberger didn't look like that last year. Um, no. He made some impressive throws in that game, and um, it was a Lions' first mm. test. And I think we can we can mostly agree that they failed, and that's that's okay. Get take the L's now instead of in the regular season. They're going to face the Steelers again in the regular season. But um, yeah, I mean, it was disheartening. I think the 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 most disheartening thing, and, and it's one of the few things I think we can actually learn about this team is that the secondary failed its first truth test. Now, let me ask this to Ryan and, you know, Jeremy can jump back in on it because this is the question that's been lingering in my mind. Again, I don't consider it just the second strings out there. It's kind of a 1.5, but we know that uh, some of the first stringers are getting the time off. And there's been this massive debate for a couple of years now, whether or not you even play your guys in the preseason. And I feel like the reps are still important to get guys in groove. And to be honest, like, this the the defense and parts of the offense up front look kind of rough right now. Do you do you think they probably need to give at least some more snaps to the first strings just to just to work the kinks out so the rest of the defense or the rest of the offense can like play together as a cohesive unit just to just to work out these issues we've seen with the Steelers? No. Okay. I don't think so. Like plainly stated, I, I think I think that they're taking the right approach with this because 
I mean, this is something we talked about all offseason long. This is one of the most interesting studies in uh, in NFL coaching right now with having, you know, uh, a staff full of former players. I think I think who's going to know better when to when to push on the gas and when to, you know, tap on the brakes when it comes to player deployment. And, you know, if if we're getting if we're getting veteran days, then, it, you know, if, if players are getting veteran days off, you know, we, we know who Romeo Okora is. We know who. Uh, Michael Brockers is we we know who some of these guys are so I I think we make a really big deal about it with the offensive line in terms of like that unit all you know working as as one solid unit um, so maybe there's something to be said about the the cohesiveness with some of those reps when it comes to 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 whole units like the offensive line or um, maybe even potentially like uh, the, the linebackers um, maybe but I I don't know I I I, I think that the 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 prevailing thing in the in the preseason is just to come out healthy. And if the Lions lose any of those top end players in the preseason, I mean, you got a <laughs> you gotten you got a full picture of what that looks like with right. the Steelers first team offense against the Lions second team defense. Like yeah. that's what it's gonna look like if you don't have your top end talent out there. So that's that's where I kind of stand on it. I, I guess, but I've also seen lately from some former players too talking about how much injuries come up and they, they point to just, just on the injury front that the fact that guys aren't playing the preseason might help them to like, you're just not in reps by the time you hit the regular season. And maybe that's why injuries are have happen more often in a, at a better clip these days. I don't know. That's just kind of the hypothesis I've heard put from some former players from yesteryear. So I don't know. Like I, I totally get it. And I totally like the PR of having a starter go down in the preseason is apocalyptic because it feels meaningless. But at the same time, like, yeah, I it's, don't know. On, it's on tough. Raps, but yeah, it's it's really tough. It's a tough situation for Dan Campbell and it's tough si- situation for all 32 teams. Right. It's it's adjusting to the new three preseason game format. There's that extra week. So it. it this is an extra week after the third preseason game. So a lot of these guys who are now going to likely sit for not only yesterday's game against the Steelers, but next week's game, that means they won't have played a competitive game in a month, a full month. And so no Jared Goff for a month, no um, Michael Brockers for a month. And, and to add on to that fact, they're not also they're also one of the few teams that aren't doing the joint practices. So there's a lot of non-competitive reps that these guys are getting. And it's, you know, considering it's a new regime, new quarterback, new schemes, new wide receivers. There's just so many new parts to this thing. You'd think that maybe they'd get as many, you know, actual game-like reps as possible just to get these guys ready for the season. Now, obviously, Ryan's right in that the the downside to that is injuries. And, and he's absolutely right that we just witnessed the depth of this team go against a starter, a starting level team that's probably going to be pretty good this year. And it was ugly. And I think we all kind of had some inklings that the, the depth on this team was not going to be good this year, especially considering all the cap concerns that they have. They, they have, what, 60 million in dead cap. Like, obviously, you can't spend on good depth when you're, you're paying players that aren't even here. Um, and, and there's something to be said about the strategy of playing your second string guys against starters to see what they got, to see if they can hang. Um, I, I get all of that, but I am concerned that this team is going to come out rusty because a month long break before really kicking into high gear is a long time. And based on everything I've seen at camp, this offense under Jared Goff is not ready. 
Hey, r- real quick too. I mean, if if the Lions were you know putting out their starters like Romeo Aquar or anything like that, I mean, you could have a situation like the Jets. They just lost Carl Lars- Carl Lawson to a you know season-ending yeah. Achilles injury, and now they're scrambling to figure out a way that they can get another pass rusher. No, I I get that. I get that. Like I was just watching you know some from the Dolphins game, and you know Waddle came up real bad after a pass. I think he's fine, but like that was a hell of a scare for their first round draft pick too. I get it injuries in the preseason are the most apocalyptic thing because it just puts this idea that it's totally meaningless. But I feel like those injuries could happen any time. And it just, if those are just going to crop right up in the regular season, we're right back to here too. So I just think for me, it's like, I feel like if you're getting a, if you're first, if you're a first team guy and you're getting a pass and sitting in the preseason, that's either because you're an, you're a veteran and you've kind of proven it before or like or or it's that you've proven it before i i completely screwed up my point there either way i just don't think the first team has really pro- has read for most of them have met those criteria yet like there was no reason alex anzalone in my mind needed to be holding a clipboard the entire time yeah i, I think that's a good point to make because like i think we can all probably agree michael brockers doesn't need the time he's yeah, fine. No, he's, he's a 10-year vet he knows what he's you know walking into he knows the the scheme well enough but like i don't know a guy like let's say Jared Goff or Tyrell Williams or Khalif Raymond, all those guys I think need the, the reps together. I really do. And I, I know I'm focusing more on, on the, yeah, I'm fine with the O-line sitting. The I'm fine with the O-line sitting everyone yeah. else. Like I, we, we need to find, figure out some questions. And I think we are going to figure out some questions next. Uh, do you guys want to start on the offense, or the defense? Dealers choice. I mean, I, I know you're dying for backup quarterback talk, so we got to start with the offense when we I'm come back. I'm actually not. I feel like the defense was the more interesting part of this game, but we are going to talk about the falling star of of uh, of Mr. Tim Boyle, who, man, if I had one preseason prediction going really wrong, it's this guy. But we're going to talk about that, plus just more struggles on the defense and, I mean, the offense in general from this game. Uh, but maybe a couple of good sides out of it, but again, because it, was some second strings hard to tell what that's actually gonna look like when we get to an appreciable real football game we'll be right back on the pride of detroit pod cast breaking down lions at pittsburgh steelers preseason game two Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge? That takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more 
and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back to the Pride of Detroit PODcast, where we're rolling along talking about Pittsburgh Steelers, Detroit Lions, preseason game two, all the trials and tribulations from there. And I don't think there was a tribulation that caught probably bigger headlines in Jeremy's favorite topic, QB2 talk, where, um, look, I made before the preseason the thought that I thought Tim Boyle was probably making the case for QB2. Uh, I'm, I'm ready to get off that train right now, Jeremy. Um, Tim Boyle has done worse with the better team than David Blau has done. And like, look, I I think there's something to Dan Campbell's packages at the end of the game where he wants he just wants to really test these late game scenarios and have Blau going crazy. Um, maybe we talk about that after we did dissect these two quarterbacks, but Blau just looks better. He looks better. He has a better command of this offense. Boyle. It's not even that I think Boyle is throwing bad. He's throwing. He, he's overthrowing some receivers, which, OK, I can forgive that. But it's the hesitancy that makes me get off on Boyle. He looks there's some times out there where he's just he's holding on to that ball a little too long. And I get it. You're you. you this is all meaningless once Jared Goff takes under center but for the purposes of there needs to be a qb2 on the roster and we need to decide who it is blau is just i, I think this was the game where we just we, we closed the book on boyle's chances for qb2 i mean i can't defend anything that tim boyle did in that game it was awful by just about every stretch of the imagination the dude was inaccurate the dude was making poor choices he provided absolutely no spark to this offense at all. They had like four first downs maybe while he was in there. And you can make the argument, well, he's going against the Steelers starters. Well, they trotted him out there to start the second half just for that reason, you feel like. Like, all right, you couldn't cut against the starters. Let's get your confidence up. Let's get you going against some of the Steelers backups. First drive of the second half, three and out. But Tim Boyle has led this competition from beginning to end in training camp, and I don't want to overreact to one game. You're allowed to have one bad game. I'd prefer not to have a bad game. You don't want your backup to ever have a bad game, but it happens. To me, I've always had this neck and neck from beginning to end, really. And I'm, I was actually surprised that Blau didn't get the start in this game since Boyle got it last week. I, I, I think this will now go. I think now it's now the Lions can't avoid it. Like it's so close at this point where you have to go into this third preseason game with that is one of your primary goals. Who is going to be this backup? And of course, there's always still the option, and, and maybe this is what they go with, and it doesn't, and the whole backup quarterback thing doesn't matter as much. Maybe they just keep both and, you know, decide on who the backup is when they need a backup. Um, but Boyle's day was absolutely awful. I thought Boyle was good. I don't think he was great. I still think he has some accuracy issues. He certainly doesn't have the arm, can't make all the throws that Boyle can make just in terms of our strength, but. Hard to argue with the results, right? Three offensive drives, three touchdowns. He even ran a little bit, which was surprising. I didn't know he had that in his arsenal. So um, I came away more impressed than I thought out of Blau and then obviously a lot worse out of Boyle. So it, I think it's neck and neck at this point. I know a lot of people just want to see Boyle get the hell out after after Saturday, but I think I think that might be a slight overreaction to just one game. And also, I think at this point in the preseason, Jeremy, like 
the Lions, I think we've all we've all pretty much penciled in both Blau and Boyle, and we've kind of said that the Lions are going to go with three quarterbacks. So I don't think it all I don't I don't think it really all I don't think it all really matters that much about whether or not, you know, Blau is two or Boyle is Boyle is two. I, I think I think we talked about this on the on the preview podcast uh, on first bite, but I it just seems like Blau is a little bit more safe with the football like I mean he makes a lot of safe smart decisions whereas there was that play last night that one of the plays that stood out to me because Boyle had a couple of passes that like probably should have been intercepted but he had that one one where Bill Hayden should have picked off that he tried to throw it to Brashad Perryman too late like uh, like those kind of plays your backup quarterback can't make and especially if you're calling in on him and Blau has like I mean he's got some playing experience like he's played NFL games before so I I mean, the the gap is closing, but I, I think it, like you said, it's so clear that David Blau, I think, needs to run with whatever the quote unquote first team offense is going to be for the Detroit Lions in preseason game three. And I would be shocked if he doesn't. Yeah, like, look, I, I don't I don't fault Boyle for almost getting picked off by Joe Hayden on a general principle because Joe Hayden has been doing that for a while. But I do have a problem in that Joe Hayden read his route the entire way and jumped it and like just barely missed putting his fingers on it at this at that point. Like the, the problem I have with Boyle is just the indecisiveness right now. Maybe that just comes with more live fire reps. But as you say, probably this if there's any good year with Lions carry three quarterbacks, it's this year. Um moving on to the offensive line. Again, we didn't see no Decker, no Ragnow. Um, nevertheless, Jeremy, I thought this offensive line was opening up holes on the ground uh, early on. There was that Jermar Jefferson play um, on the ground. I think it was a 10-yard play, but they opened, they opened the floodgates for him. So how do you feel about the offensive line in this game? Um, mixed. It, it's interesting because like the first game, I felt bad about the offensive line because they let a couple of sacks in. The, the running game wasn't very good. And then I rewatched the game and I felt better about the offensive line. This was kind of the reverse where <laughs> Lions running game looked pretty okay. Tim Boyle didn't take a lot of pressure. I thought they did okay. And then I watched the tape and I'm like, no, this wasn't that good. Penny Sewell was not good in this game. He was bad. And, d- and, and am I absolutely concerned about this? No. It's it's whatever. It's his second game. Taylor Decker did not look good right away. It happens. There are early struggles. And by Matt the way, Nelson, he didn't play. He didn't play college football last year either. Like this yes, is going to take I mean, some time to get him in rhythm. And he's is. going to a new position at right tackle. Right. And I I think I think all those are are semi valid criticisms of maybe why you don't even make that pick in the first place if you're if you're taking a guy that's not going to be great in his first year and he's changing positions. I get all that. But if he goes on to have an all pro career, like no one's going to look back on his fret, on his rookie yeah. season and be like, eh, he wasn't that good. Wasn't worth the eighth pick. Like whatever. Um, early struggles, whatever. Not not great. Not no reason for long term concern there. Matt Nelson on the other side played left tackle the entire game was just as bad. Very, I mean, concerning because he was one of the guys I think we painted as a guy who was like this offensive line depth isn't good, but at least at tackle they're OK because they have. Crosby and they have Matt Nelson. Well, he didn't look great against uh, some starting level competition either. So I was a little bit less optimistic about the offensive line. That being said, like it wasn't a complete disaster in the second half. Like it was last week. 
David Blau was not did not get absolutely destroyed. So maybe there's some guys there that that won a roster spot because they got to figure out some things there. Evan Brown played every single snap at center. So I guess he's your backup center. PFF did not like how he played the game, but I didn't notice anything in particular um, that was bad. So, you know, there was some good, there was some bad. I didn't really notice Logan Stenberg, a guy that's on the roster bubble. So overall, I think it was, it was fine as a unit, but there were some individual concerns that I had with, with some of the guys that played out there. Yeah. I'm, I'm at this point where I, I I agree with kind of Chris's, uh, you know, the the way that he's painted the Peninsula picture in the sunset, like, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of moving pieces with him not playing last year, you know, for Oregon and obviously making the position switch, which I, I thought was going to be a bigger deal than a lot of other people did. They they kind of just wrote it off as like, oh, well, he played left tackle in high school. It's like, OK, playing left tackle in high school is not the same as, you know, or playing right tackle in high school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, is is not the same as playing, you know, right tackle in in the NFL. So, um, and Melvin Ingram let him let him know that, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's a it's a little bit different. Um, so I, I I did enjoy that was the big takeaway for me, Jeremy, is that like in the second half, it that that second unit offensive line which played a ton, right? Like, I mean, those guys logged logged huge snaps, like you said, Brown Stenberg played like fifty snaps. Um, those guys all got an opportunity and they didn't look God awful. And that's just been the narrative, right. For, for pretty much all of training camp, like the second team offensive line just isn't it. And, uh, yeah, I, you know, we'll see I don't know. The, the, the first team offensive line is, is not going to be able to be judged until that first game and (laughs) quite a test against the San Francisco 49ers. So that'll be trial by fire for them. So, Moving on to the wide receivers, I think this was a better day for Quintez Cephas. Um, I think, though, the standout in my mind, at least from my notes, is Javon McKinley once again showing you why Lions were more than comfortable paying this guy, you know, 100000 as an undrafted free agent. He looks, uh, he, I think McKinley might be on the, he's, he's well inside the bubble at this point, and I think... He's doing all right. I think it was a better no. day for Quintus. No, you, you're not buying. No. Okay, okay. But he had real one quick, catch. He had one, he had catch. one catch. Okay, okay. Thought he was I, fine. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know what to think about the wide receiver core because the the guys that are going to make this team had to deal with Tim Boyle. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, I think that that was the big that was the big draw that was the big sea anchor. I feel on Amon Ross St. Brown. I felt bad right. watching him out there trying to stretch out to try to make these overthrows happen. Yeah, Poor guy. I mean, he, pro- he probably should have came away with the the diving catch. It wasn't an easy play by any means, mm-hmm. but if you're if you're going to be a, a top player in this league, you probably got to come down with that. But like, I mean, I, I agree with you. Quintus Cephas had a good game. I think Cephas has quietly had a really really solid camp and and is good depth. I don't think he's going to take that jump to be a you know a a thirty forty fifty catch kind of guy at at any point anytime soon. Because I I really think like the top spots are. Tyrell Williams, who didn't play in this game, Khalif Raymond, who didn't play in this game, and and Amon Ross St. Brown. Like those are your top three guys. Quintus might be next off the bench. Um, I think I think the big question, and we didn't get an answer on Saturday, is like, what are the lines doing with Brashad Perriman? He's a guy that that was written in like permanent ink as the wide receiver two on this team, hasn't shown up in camp, had a catch in this game, and it was taken away by a bogus p- pass interference penalty, like uh, is is he is he in danger right now because he hasn't done anything 
Well, we, we, we talked about it on first bite, Jeremy, like even the idea of maybe, hey, Prashad Perryman is somebody whose roster spot isn't secure because of the contract he got because it's only like a couple million dollars in dead cap hit. And and, and I know that's something that might shock some people, because as you mentioned, you know, everybody was so set on him being wide receiver number two. But I think what kind of happened in training camp and correct me if you, if you see this differently, but like Khalif Raymond was kind of thought of as being like the slot receiver. But with Amon Ross St. Brown, clearly, you know, probably outperforming Khalif Raymond, like, all right, he's going to start right out of the box at slot receiver. Let's yep. see what Khalif can do on the outside. And he's kind of jettisoned Rashad Perryman, who just hasn't been able to play. Yeah. And so with, with that being said, Tom Kennedy is on the bubble. There. <laughs> he's on yeah. the bubble, man. Like, oh. And I think that each week, I think every day, whether it's practice, whether it's a preseason game, like that bubble's getting pushed, man. He's moving all around it. But I, I don't think there's anybody that I that I'm like more, I don't know if he's going to make it than Tom Kennedy. I think the problem for Tom Kennedy is like, he's playing in the slot and that's like the one part of this wide receiver core where you look at the lions and you're like, okay, I can see like a few good options for the slot. Yeah. And that might push Tom Kennedy off the bubble just by that virtue alone that they just yeah. can't play him outside. Maybe they can play. 100%. Yeah. Like that, that I, I'm trying to put together my own 53 and I'm, my debate is whether the Lions keep five wide receivers or, or they keep Tom Kennedy. And the one thing I have is like, what does Tom Kennedy give you that you don't already have? And the yeah, answer is it's... nothing because Khalif <laughs> Raymond does everything that he does better. And they have a on St. Brown who can also do all those things and probably better. So it's just like, do you need a third string slot slash punt kick returner? I don't think so, but man, is he's balling out in the in the second half. I can't deny he that. Is. And he's balling out in camp too. So he's doing everything he can to make that a very tough decision. I think he'll make a roster in the NFL, just probably not with the Lions. Is that if, I, maybe? Yeah. I mean, I, don't, I, I we'll see. I don't know how, what you know what the needs are across the NFL. I, I, I'm sure the Lions would love to stick him on the practice squad. Oh yeah, no, I but I just yeah yeah that that's that's probably a good place to stick him. Um, Real quick, just to finish the off our evaluation, I, I don't have too much to say on running backs here, Jeremy, unless you want to go real quick. I really want to get to tight ends, though. Uh, I mean, I think everyone kind of had a, a pretty good game. I thought Jamar Jefferson had a couple good carries. Uh, I know the stat sheet only has like three for 22, and one of those was a, a third and 20 draw for 10 yards, which doesn't mean anything. But and again, I his, other, his other big play, I thought, was that, again, I thought was more on the offensive line than on him. Maybe, but yeah, I mean, I th I still think he had a, a decent game. I mean, obviously the, the 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 story still continues to be Craig Reynolds, and whether this guy can can be the the Cinderella story of this Lions roster because obviously uh, last last week's game. Sorry about that. <laughs> Squeaky uh, toy makes the appearance. Check <laughs> it off on the bingo card. Obviously, last week's game, he comes in twenty four hours notice and uh, and has a huge game. He followed it up with another really good performance scored another touchdown caught a little caught some passes in this game as well he's really look and and pass protection like he had a really good pass block on a on a um on a blitz so he kind of looks like the full deal and i i think he needs to be in the rb3 conversation maybe he even convinces the lines to keep a, a fourth running back um but i don't, I don't mm -hmm. like given the tape he has on on preseason already i think there's a chance maybe he doesn't fall through waivers and and maybe the lines have to keep him on the 53 he's making he's another guy's just making it really tough 
Yeah, I, I think I lump him in with Tom Kennedy. Like, yeah, both like practice squad all stars. Yeah. Let me then transition to tight ends because, um, uh, hmm, I don't know what to do with Alize Mack. He, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I, I don't know what to do. I, I don't know what to do either because the lines are out of options. Yeah. Charlie T has a broken hip or rib or whatever from the, the car accident. They, they released Hunter or Hunter Thedford's on IR. Your wider, your tight end three is between Alize, uh, Alize Mack and Brock Wright. That's it. That's all that's on the roster anymore. What? You, you got to find somebody, man. Like Alize Mack, I, like, I think he's just going to win the job because no one else is there. And at times he's shown flashes, but he also right now has made it very clear he's not ready to be in in an NFL game. He put up a PFF grade of a 16.9 on pass blocking, a 47 on run blocking. I don't. I I wonder how much uh, the Josh Hill retirement impacted them and whether or not they would have considered Darren Fells if it wasn't for Josh Hill's retirement. Like if they would have maybe called on Darren Fells to be like, all right, this can like round out like our, our, our three man team that we have here of, you know, Hawkinson Hill and, and Fells. But man, I, I truly think that the tight end three is still not on the roster. Like with the way that, with the way that training camp has unfolded and with how bad Alizé Mack has played, he would have to have an incredible, and like not just incredible like stat wise, but like he would have to like have a very convincing performance that is so the opposite of what he's put on game film through these first two weeks. He needs a, pre- a Pat Fryermuth game is what he needs. Yes, oh, yes, he does. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Two two questions then. One is Darren Fells going to be on this roster? He has to. Yes, hundred yes. yeah. yeah. yeah, percent. Yeah, yeah. He had okay. a horrible game, but like he's the team's blocking tight end. Like he has to. Yeah. Be. There's he's no gonna have else. a. He's going to have a reduced role. Like, I mean, he's still going to be like, there's going to be a lot of two tight end sets, but like, I don't think that he's going to like show out as bad as he did in, yeah. in games no, I'm going not, forward. I don't, I don't have yeah, a, I'm not a, concerned a about that. Concern. Okay. So what I'm hearing here from this entire room is that one, TJ Hawkinson, two, Darren Fells, three, let's just go it and be do, do and be legends and sign Tim Tebow. Okay. we don't have anything else thanks for joining the pod cast this is our final episode no it's not enjoy the ride no i just i just gave us a ton of more followers from the uh (laughs) from the born agains are you kidding me (laughs) you might not like like it but this is what peak performance looks like uh i think i'm done with the offense man this is just it's it's a whatever it was a whatever day for me looking at this offense yeah because like there's not a lot of depth you can't you and, can't assess anything when your quarterback sucks and yeah. Tim Boyle sucked so everything else fell apart. So yeah, I really want to see for you. That's <laughs> analysis. I just I really want to see Blau with with like the higher teams when we get to play the Colts next week. If we don't have that, it's going to be really rough to figure out what this roster is until we get a good look in week one. We'll take a quick break when we come back. Um. I'm not sure. I'm also not sure what to feel on the defense. I, I feel a little scared. I feel a little scared, particularly looking at the uh, pass coverage. And I think Dan Campbell said something very interesting at a press conference that I think uh, 
in most years, you'd kind of say, oh, what rubbish, but I think it's genuine looking at this roster. We'll tell you what that is and discuss it next on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Closing up the show here on the Pride of Detroit POD cast by unfortunately going down to the lowest note from the Steelers-Lions game, which means we have to talk about the defense. Uh, during the break, we were joking. We really just want to talk about Derek Barnes and A.J. Parker for 20 minutes. More on them in a second. Uh, I want to talk big picture, at least, Jeremy, because I don't think it was all bad for the defense early on. I thought they actually... We, we've known for a while the Lions wanted to, in let's say the last regime, wanted to be built to be stout and stop the run. And I feel like, though, that if you're looking at this new regime, they did that here against the Steelers. They held the Steelers to, I believe, 3.2 yards per carry average throughout this entire game on the ground. You saw that even at the top at the top of the of the of the of the teams here with the first team as they I remember there was one play where they just uh, just they they made Najee Harris on the ground on the ground. I have to emphasize the ground part for Najee Harris, but they they stimmied Najee Harris on the ground, I felt. So there was at least that bright side for the Lions uh, when it came to like, look, the run defense looks fine. It looks even improved from last year. It does. Um, and that's an extra good sign because the Lions front seven was essentially outside of Aleem McNeil, second string guys. Mm-hmm. That defensive interior, all those defensive tackles, Kevin Strong, Bruce Hector, um, Levi, even, you know, we yeah, our first look at Levi on Zurique. Our first yeah, look at Levi on Fantastic first game. And, and some of it was in run defense. That That was a bit of a surprise to me because. You know, we, we talk a lot about Levi, and, and the one thing we're all excited about is the pass rush from the interior, which his team has lacked, brought some noise in run defense as well. So um, I thought in, in general, yeah, the run defense was was good. It was a lot better than the week before. I think part of that is because the Steelers have a bit more of a suspect offensive line, a bunch of young guys there that they're still kind of getting their, their act together. But, um, you know, Buffalo is a team that's going to run the ball a lot. So the fact that there was some struggles there, understandable. I thought they were a lot better against a, a more average team, and that's a that's a good sign going forward. The I don't I don't know if we want to jump to the negative right away, but the the I think the biggest issue, and and it's probably my biggest issue of the entire game, and we teased it at the top, is there were only one set of starters in this game on the Lions' defense, and it was their secondary. And the secondary let Ben Roethlisberger look like his Hall of Fame self again and that is is somewhere between a medium and extreme concern like i'm not going to throw the panic button yet at one preseason game and i'm also not going to be one of these people that throws jeff okuda under the bus for for one play essentially like he was fine the rest of the day 
He just got beat deep once. He was it, it appears he was waiting for some help with Will Harris, but he also got beat really bad. Like you can't you can't expect a safety to cover that that much space and that much time and also, you know, not have a chance to to play on the ball as well. So um either way, I thought Jeff Okuda's fine. Safeties were not fine, linebackers are not fine. Um so uh, yeah, there's 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 a medium concern about the Lions' pass defense, specifically the secondary right now. I think real quick to to not counter your point, but to to push back on it a little bit is like that play where Okuda did get beat. It happened, but yeah. it's the way that he bounced back and made sure. a big play against Juju in Juju. the, in the yeah. end zone. I mean, Absolutely. real physical in coverage and coverage and made a big play. So like. At least you're not seeing it happen repeatedly where you can look at a player like Jelani Tavai and it's just like play after play. And right. I know, Jeremy, with you, like there is a little bit of um, there's a little bit of like film hunting to like find like even more things that Tavai is doing wrong when really there's there's not much there. But there there's enough there's enough there right now where I don't I don't care how much this coaching staff, quote unquote, likes Jelani Tavai. As a player, it looks like he he just can't hack it on the field, and it's it's a good thing. It's different than the tight end discussion we had because you can at least look at linebacker three, and it's like, well, Derek Barnes did more good things, so at, at least you have hope and optimism there after you get past the first two guys because Alex Anzalone didn't play and Jamie Collins didn't play, so you're getting all second string guys. And without Sean, you know, Sean Deon Hamilton was somebody we talked about on on first bite that was like. You know what? That that's a big loss for for a team who, you know, if there's a guy like Jalen Reeves Maven who we have, you know, in on the roster because of his special teams aptitude, it's not because of him as a linebacker. So like that's still one of the most interesting units to me on this team because they're one of the like most deficient when it comes to how, you know, quote unquote top heavy they are at the top of their depth. But it's also just kind of a mix of like I don't know who who the depth really is beyond beyond Barnes. Yeah, I mean, it, I I feel like Reeves Maven has has to make the team. Like they they need a linebacker, and I think Tavai is is now outside the bubble. I, I don't. Think I can't. You, you, I can't. you can justify a spot for him. I can't believe how bad Tavai was getting beat on some of these plays. He not only is getting beat, but then it just he seems like he's struggling to turn and give chase half the time too. Just it it was it, not a good I can't I can't couch that game for him at all. I know it's preseason, but boy, 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 boy. It's it's oh. unfortunate because I think I think we all overreacted a little bit to last week just because of one play essentially where, you know, he he clearly missed his assignment. But this one, like it's giving up catches in coverage, just the I mean the Najee Harris catch where he had a, a prime opportunity to stop it for five yards and and it turns into a forty six yard play and not all of that was his fault but he had the best opportunity to take him down. It's just what at this point the and 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 I hate to keep knocking on the guy because he doesn't deserve all this unfair attention when there's plenty of other players out there not playing well either. But I don't know what he does well, and and, yeah, that, I, and it's just that like you can't have a guy like that on your team. I'm sorry ha- for me it, it's the, real quick, Chris, because it's the inverse of like Jalen Reese Maven, right? Because it's like Jalen Reese Maven has carved out a role as a special yeah. teamer. So like you can maybe ignore the deficiencies he has as a you know linebacker out on defense, whereas like Tavai, you don't know where you're getting any sort of value from him. I just uh, for me, it just looked really bad when we start when the Lions started, um, excuse me, the Steelers started getting in the red zone. 
Yeah. And like you just saw how turned around pass coverage was to stop a guy like uh, Pat- Patrick Firemouth just bullying you out of existence. I mean, the tight ends tore this team up and who covers the tight ends? Linebackers and safeties. And that to me was what got exposed the most in this game. And so maybe maybe that's your source of optimism is when the good, you know, the actual linebackers that are on this team and going to play, maybe maybe the defense looks a bit looks a little bit better as a whole because I don't think Okuda got abused. I don't think Amani Uruwari had a, a a really terrible game. But this team is going to have to cover tight ends, and who's going to do it? Hopefully, Alex Anzalone, I, I, maybe Jamie Collins, maybe Tracy Walker. But I don't think Tracy Walker had a particularly good game. Will Harris certainly didn't have a good game. So. There Look, I I want to I want to push back on you when it comes to when it when it comes to Akuda because I don't I, I'm look I, I think his PFF grade was fine he came out like in a 72 but yeah I mean there were just he just looks a step slow maybe he can just work on that a little bit and I again I don't know how much that is is that I didn't think he got help at all that day from Will Harris you know any help from Will Harris he didn't have any safety help out there but you kind of have to like when you're putting that much pressure, when you're putting that much blame on the past coaching staff, I just, I expected him to look a step better. So maybe it's still early for Okuda. I'm not going to write the book and be one of these people who's been spamming my mentions with hell no Kuda or what, what is it? Yeah, it's hell no Kuda or whatever. I, I, it, it's, it's, a, it's a dumb slogan. I don't know who started it. You're an idiot. Um, but I mean, man, that's just going to put more pressure on him to actually show you what he's got in the regular season. Because you're 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 stuck with him. This for, is the for, for whatever. This is the old chicken and the egg argument, though, right? Mm-hmm. Like with the defense. I mean, there there's not a lot of first stringers out there, so you don't get a good sense of like what the pass rush is going to be like. So then you're leaving it up to your corners. And I mean, we just watched three seasons of Matt Patricia football. We know what it looks like for. We know that it's absolute hell for a defensive backfield to cover a guy for six seven seconds. Like it, it just doesn't it doesn't happen. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think we all, we all have to remind ourselves, this is all going to take time. Like I know yes. third overall pick, you want him to make an instant impact, especially by year two. Like he, he needs to show improvement. No question about it, but new scheme, new coaches, cornerback takes a long time to develop and you have to erase a lot of the damage that Matt Patricia did with his entire defense. So I know I've been one of the guys trumpeting, Jeff Okuda and saying he looks a lot better in camp. His mentality is completely different. I think he's going to have a breakout year. I still stand by all of that. But what I'm not saying is this guy is not going to be a pro bowler right out of the gate. He's not going to be a pro bowler this year. He's not going to be an all pro this year. That is going yeah. to take some time. And I think one of the most interesting stats that, that I heard this offseason came from our own Eric Schlitt during one of our green room podcasts is he looked at Aaron Glenn and how long it took him to turn things around in new Orleans. The first year, they were bad. They were bottom three pass defense. Next year, it was immediately top 10. So it's going to take a year of getting yeah. used to everything. And I know I know there are plenty of Lions fans that have seen first round busts and they see Jeff Okuda and they are unwilling to wait a second year. But I yeah. urge you, wait a second year. I think the history, I, I agree with you there, is like I think Lions histrionics once again showing the impatience on Okuda. So we'll see again. I just didn't think it was a good game for him, but I'm not casting a, a, a larger judgment yet. Um, I, I paid, I wanted, I want to pay off his tease. Cause I, I made it at, 
at the, at the end of the B block. Um, Zan Campbell, I think the most interesting quote out of him when it came to this, and I think he was talking about the defense, especially here. Um, there are some guys who are growing, who are getting better. There's some guys that maybe we counted out that have a chance now of making this team. And there's some ones that maybe everyone thought were going to make it and they're not going to make it. And I can't think of a better place to, to, to think where that applies, looking at a lot of this second string defense that was playing. Yeah. I mean, the AJ, AJ Parker, I think is the, is the first name that that's jumps the story out that that is, I mean, well, let's leave Derek Barnes aside for a second. Cause I know you really want to chomp at the bit at him, but like, sure. I think he was talking like, if there's anyone, I feel like Dan Campbell was talking about with that quote, it was probably AJ Parker who really balled out this game. Yeah. And, and to me, like I, I, I ignored the signs because he's been repping with the first team defense for a weekend or a week and a half now. And I took that as well. They're moving Mike Ford out. The, um, you know, Nickel Roby Coleman is, you know, just arrived with the team. It's going to take him a while. And, um, you know, they're, they're just, they need a guy. So it's, it's AJ Parker, but he played with the first string defense again on Saturday, made a bunch of plays, a couple tackle for losses, a couple pass breakups. That dude was all over the place. And, Listen, I, I'm not I'm not going to sit here and say right now that I'm certain this guy's going to be the starting nickel cornerback for this team. But I'm also not going to say he's not going to be the starting nickel cornerback in week one. Like, it, it'd be crazy for an undrafted rookie to do that when he was an afterthought on this roster. But that quote combined with his play on Saturday night, suddenly I'm starting to believe that this guy, I, 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 I even wouldn't, I wouldn't even call him a roster lock at this point, but... I think there's a decent chance he starts in week one, which means uh, a lot of weird expectations. What does that mean for a guy like Cornelder who can't get on the field? What does that mean for a guy like Roby Coleman? Does he make the team or do they use Mike Ford as the backup? Like if all that happens, um, there's just kind of a chain reaction that goes down the roster and um, very, very fascinating story with him. And I think uh, we need to learn a little bit more about him. Yeah. With Roby Coleman, I think that that might be applicable with that Dan Campbell quote too, because I think people saw, Roby Coleman come in in a spot where the Lions were shorthanded, no Cornell there. Mike Ford was being, you know, thrust into that role as, as the starting slot, but it looked like maybe they wanted to take him outside as well. And he comes a veteran guy who's played before, familiar with the Rams and, and all that stuff. And it's almost like, okay, yeah. But AJ Parker's the guy who got all the opportunities, you know? And I don't know. I, because he, here's, a, here's another guy, and I know we're talking about the defensive backfield, but this is what it kind of reminded me of is like, well, you know, Nikel Roby Coleman took 16 snaps in the game last night, whereas, you know, that that's a pretty light workload for, I, I understand he's a veteran guy, but he's arriving late. And I think that he kind of needs to play in, into that spot versus a guy like Charles Harris, who didn't play at all week one. And he played quite a bit last night. Like, I mean, he had, uh, I think it was 25 snaps that he played um, or 23. But, you know, that's a guy who another, you know, we we talk about it all the time, like follow the money. Right. And like Charles Harris got like this significant amount of money where it seemed like he was going to be on the roster. But I, do you really know if Charles Harris is going to make the roster? Do you really know if Nikel Roby Coleman are going to make the roster? Is it just because, well, they're veterans and the Lions need kind of like that veteran presence when this is a roster that's so completely different than a year ago with so many young guys like so A.J. Parker is going to get a shot, you know? AJ Parker, by the way, played the most snaps last night of any corner. He played 30 snaps. They got a they got a good long look of him and and with the starters again, like he he got thrown into the fire. An undrafted rookie 
thrown against the Steelers number one. I guess, I guess and, the Steelers, like their receiving offense is going to be good this year. He, he's getting thrown up there against Juju Smith-Schuster, Najee Harris, like that, that, that was a good pass offense he was thrown up against. And he did not, he, he composed himself well. And do you know who the highest graded defender on the Lions roster was, according to PFF? Minimum six snaps? It was A.J. Parker. Yeah. That's a hell of a debut as a starter. And that's why, I, like, funny, quick story. Like, A.J. Parker met with the media last week, but everyone but, like, two or three people were preoccupied talking to someone else. AJ Parker got like four questions thrown his way. And ever, like, that's, it's just a sign of how we all overlooked the guy. I mean, not, not to brag, but I asked him a couple questions, but yeah, yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. But it, 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 it's just, it's, it's one of those weird stories that came out of nowhere and it, and it came all out of nowhere all of a sudden too, right? Like two, three weeks into tra- camp, we still weren't talking about this guy and now he could theoretically be the starter. And so uh, just a cool storyline and maybe also speaks a little bit to the team's ability to find uh, find young talent. I mean, we know that the Lions did a really good or that um, Brad Holmes did a really good job finding late round safeties uh, when he was with the Rams. Maybe that maybe that travels over to, to nickel corner a little bit as well. So the other high, the other three, the other two highlights, um, again, we did get to see our first look at Levi Unzarike out there. Um, I thought he was phenomenal in pass rush he was fine and he was fine in run blocking too but i thought i thought um he he looked fantastic bringing the pressure i I, I, he's just another one of those guys that i just can't wait to see more because he brings so much intensity and energy and not to mention just a a ton of raw skill that Mm -hmm. uh i think once this guy really kind of gets into a rhythm of the season He's going to be someone to, to really, really the offenses are just going to have to keep him in mind at all times. Yeah, I, I'm still stuck on the fact that you made your threshold six snaps because that's Tavante Beckett erasure that you're doing right there. <laughs> he had um, five snaps on the very last drive of the game. 91.5 grade. Congratulations, Tavante Beckett. You're still not going to make it after. Okay, all right. We've, but, uh, he deserves uh, his shine, Jeremy. <laughs> Some guys aren't going to make the roster. Some guys are, Jeremy. That's just True. what the, the facts are. Um, Derek Barnes, this is our this is our last little bit of palate cleanser to get away from the mess of the rest that was the offense. Derek Barnes, um, showing you why the Lions got him. Uh, where, where do you want to start, Jeremy? He's just so much fun to watch, man. Like he's a human highlight reel film, and you don't get a lot of that out of linebackers. I know there's some ana- analytic folks that say linebackers PF, don't by matter. The way, PFF grade ninety one in in coverage last night. And for, how for long Barnes. have have we been dying for something like that? The dude almost had an interception. He he had a pass breakup after that. He's all over the place. And really, to me, the thing that stood out the most, and, and maybe this is just because everyone else on the team was horrible at it last night, tackling, dude. The, the man can tackle. And, and it's not just bringing a guy down. It's stopping his momentum completely so that as soon as you hit him, he is going down. He is not gaining any yards after contact. Um, and And the sack. Can I talk about the sack for a second? Mm-hmm. Because the second straight week, they've sent him on a kind of delayed blitz. First week, it caused an incompletion. This time, he got the sack. And I have become, my brain has become so ingrained to watching Jared Davis that when he shot through that hole and got to the quarterback, I was 99% certain he was going to run right by him. Or just like <laughs> get his hands on and go flying. Because 
I mean, it, and, and to be clear, that's it, not an easy play to make. You are running full speed, and if a quarterback just kind of does a little shimmy, like, that can throw everything off, and it, it's a hard play to make. But he wrapped him up good, and he did not miss on the tackle, and that was, oof, I loved it. I loved seeing it, and I know his run defense grade was pretty bad, so, you know, his overall grade wasn't nearly as what I think most people were expecting. I'll have to check and see why his run defense grade is so bad, but to me, he's a, he's a playmaker. Like, what... We haven't seen any playmakers on defense in three years. And so it, when you see one, it, it's pretty clear. And, and that dude is a playmaker. And I hope they give him some early snaps next week because I want to see him against really good competition. I don't have anything to add about Derek Barnes other than that I'm excited. Sorry. I, I could talk about Derek Barnes for this entire podcast. That's how excited I am about him right now. One minute. Once again, we'll go to each of you. One sentence on what you want to see out of the next preseason game. Or at least, or even in training, what you need to see this team work on. I, I want to see some sort of cohesiveness with the offense early on. I, ideally, I listen. I I think the starters should be playing. I just do. I I don't think they're ready, especially on offense. So I would love just two drives. Like do like make it full circle here. Yeah. Do th- third game. Third game should still has traditionally been the dress rehearsal game. It should be this dress rehearsal game for the Lions. It. But yeah, it won't be like. A, Dan Campbell basically already said it won't be. And and I think a lot of people are going to treat the third game. It's the last preseason game. So I think a lot of people are going to treat it like the last preseason game, which like, is like game four from from years yeah. prior where there's like yeah. nobody starting. Yeah, you're Jesus. just trying to figure you're trying to to figure out those last few roster spots is what what they're trying to do. And, I, and that's probably what they do. I don't want that. I want to see the offense build some confidence in me, build some confidence in themselves because Though I mean, we got we got a field goal out of Jared Goff. Yeah, I, for me, it's really hard to come up with a sentence because it, it almost feels like you can't see what you want to see. Because like Jeremy said, you're not going to see the first team offense. There's no DeAndre Swift. There's no TJ Hawkinson. There's no Jared Goff. There's no I mean, with all those players not playing, you can't really see the first team offense. And yeah. even on defense like the like. I, I guess if there's one thing that I'm interested in seeing is hopefully like some of the starting defensive backfield, you know, plays again next week. Like I hope I still see some more Akuda because Jeremy, we talked about on the first bite, like the thing that we wanted to see going into the Steelers game. I said, like, I want the secondary to be tested. You know, they didn't get much from Mitch Trubisky or Davis Webb in the first week. Well, I, I bit off more than I could chew. I got a little bit more than I asked for. But I, I truly, I want to see more of it because it is, and we've talked about it all offseason long. It's such a young unit. I mean, your starters are a second and third year guy, and you got Mike Ford, and you know somebody who we didn't talk about, but played. You know, he played over twenty snaps last night, and he primarily played all outside. But Melifanu played quite a bit, um, and didn't look terrible. Uh, which you know, I've been somebody who's been a proponent of him kind of like redshirting this season, but I think like maybe he just might play out of necessity at this point. Um, and and what so, what yeah. better what better opponent to get a little bit more confidence built than a, a really crappy Colts team, right? Right, Chris? Absolutely. And we'll see how that goes. Stick around for first bite later this week as we talk about those crappy Colts. Uh, thanks everyone for tuning in for the Pride of Detroit POD cast. We're on our way out now. Let's close this. Uh, let's close this kibosh off for myself, for Jeremy Reisman, for Ryan Matthews at Chris Perfett at Detroit Online at Ryan underscore Pod. We will see you, Starside. <laughs>